Streaming from Abby Cat Recording Studio in Chicago. You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential. I got a black magic woman. I got a black magic woman. Yes, I got a black magic woman. Got me so blind I can't see. But she's a black magic woman and she's trying to make a devil out of me. Don't turn your back on me, baby. Don't turn your back on me, baby. Yes, don't turn your back on me, baby. You're messing around with your tricks. Don't turn your back on me, baby. All right, welcome to Influence. My name is Blake Sokoloff. Yeah, and I'm Robert Dean. And for this this podcast, we are doing the iconic pop and blues rock band Fleetwood Mac. We we opened with a song called Black Magic Woman off of their 1969 album, The Pious Bird of Good Omen. And for this podcast, we wanted to kind of highlight on the early years of Fleetwood Mac because I don't think a lot of people realize that Fleetwood Mac was a band for almost six or seven years before they even found Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah. So obviously rumors, we're going to talk a lot about rumors. We're going to play a lot of those classic songs, but there's a lot of songs that I think people don't even realize are Fleetwood Mac songs, like that, like that early song "Black Magic Woman." For sure, that one because mm-hmm. Carlos Santana came out with that uh, cover of that song Fan- in 1970. Fantastic cover, yeah. Yeah, and it was a much, much bigger hit than the Fleetwood uh, Mac uh, 1968 version. Absolutely, and that version from 1968 is actually written by Peter Green, who was kind of the actually the founder of the band. Yeah, uh, he founded the band. With John McVie and uh, Mick Fleetwood. Mick Fleetwood. And actually, John McVie was actually not the original bass player. They That's had right. a temporary guy, and then John McVie came in. Yeah. But I don't even think they had had a band name before John McVie came in. So he came in very early. But Peter Green, F- Mick Fleetwood, and John McVie actually formed this band with another guitarist named Jeremy Spencer. Mm-hmm. And the four of them were actually very, very inspired by uh, th- these. These guys are all British. These guys formed the band in London, and they were all very inspired by a lot of the mid '60s blues that was coming out of this area. Like a lot of the Clapton stuff. A lot of yeah. the his Clapton's first band, the Yardbirds, actually very, very influential on in a lot of this early '60s British blues. Especially the Yardbirds kind of have a famous story of just being like. The band, I think Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, and Eric Clapton were all in or associated with the Yardbirds at certain points. So that band had a kind of a notoriety for how always having great guitarists. Absolutely. But this is Heartful of Soul from the 1965 album, having a rave up with the Yardbirds, one of their early releases. And you can really hear that very classic, dirty 60s blues. So here's that. Very British Dirty Blues from Heartful of Soul from the 1965 album by the Yardbirds. And I know 
Yeah, that mid-60s, uh, you know, bluesy, uh, you know, just great riffs going on with the guitars and definitely. Uh, definitely influenced that early Peter Green sound. Definitely. And I mean, Peter Green was so much the front man of the band that one of the band's first releases was actually just called Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. And Peter exactly. Green actually suggested the band name Fleetwood Mac, which is kind of a tie of Mick Fleetwood and John McVie's name. So he kind mm-hmm. of got the name from the rhythm section and those two guys have been kind of the only consistent members throughout the whole band's uh, history. So it really nowadays is really John McVie and Mick Fleetwood's band. They've kind of have a reputation for their whole career of drafting musicians in and out of the band and pretty quickly oh, yeah. uh, for their their just their little quartet, they drafted on uh, the extra guitarist and singer Danny Kerwin, and also probably most importantly, Christine Perfect, later Christine McVie after she married John, would join the band in on their second album. Right. I think she even plays some session work on some session keys on some of their, their first first releases as well. But she's been in the band since since the 60s. And she, Christine McVie, obviously would be, go on to become just as much of a songwriter as Stevie Nicks and, and Lindsey Buckingham. So she's been around since the very beginning and was was very quickly drafted into the band, especially once she began her relationship with John McVie. But another kind of very classic blues cut from Fleetwood Mac's early years with Peter Green is this this cut, Oh Well, which is another kind of blues standard. And like, mm-hmm. you'll, if you go to a blues show, you'll very likely hear at least the guitarist bust out this riff. It's one of the most probably iconic blues riffs in in kind of the blues blues rock lexicon for sure. And the band Fleetwood Mac has also made a habit of covering the song, even with their later lineups, mm-hmm. like both Lindsey Buckingham and even Mike Campbell. Uh, their, their kind of 2010s lineup, Mike Campbell and Lindsey Buckingham have both done lead vocals and guitars on this song. But this is another Peter Green era Fleetwood Mac track from their album Then Play On from 1969 that kind of just is another very classic blues rock cut called Oh Well. And this is Oh Well Part 1 because they do have a couple different versions of this song. But this is Oh Well Part 1 from 1969's Then Play On, another kind of Peter Green classic from this early era of the band. Now when I talked to God, I knew he'd understand. He said, stick by me and I'll be your garden hand. But don't ask me what I think of you. I might not give the answer that you want me to. Yeah, Peter Green wrote that song. He's a vocalist on that song and lead guitar. So mm-hmm. that's a major Peter Green 
achievement. And one of those songs I think um, that you hear when you're out and it's like, oh, like we just played it. It's Mm -hmm. like everybody's probably going, hey, I I know that song. That's Fleetwood Mac, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. I mean, like I honestly – I definitely remember a, a moment back when I was in my in my college years where I just went and heard that song. I actually think I saw the the kind of indie rock band Heim uh, cover that song mm. in one of their live shows because they they're they're a big Fleetwood Mac uh, influencee, so to speak. But uh, they actually covered the song, and I was like, "Where have I heard this before?" <laughs> and then I think after the gig, I looked it up, and I was like, "Whoa, that's a Fleetwood Mac song!" Right. So that's definitely like one of those songs you just kind of hear just as a musician and things like that, that's definitely like a big jam session track and things like that. But as Fleetwood Mac kind of moved into the decade of the seventies, they, I think a lot of this kind of lineup, um, rotating door, so to speak would be because a lot of times they would be touring. And like a lot of these British guys didn't necessarily want to come all the way over to the U S for some tour where they weren't going to make a ton of money. Yeah. And things in, like that. Including so, Christine McVie for yeah, sure. Yeah. Including Christine. So around kind of the seventies and the end of the early seventies, like 1970, 71, Peter Green, Jeremy Spencer and Danny Kerwin would all leave the band, which would kind of leave them without a guitarist and a male vocalist for right. a while until they would find two bobs, right? Yeah, the two bobs, Bob Welch and Bob Weston, uh, who. But also, they they were kind of short lived members as well. Like, I'm going to play a track from their most famous album, which is the 1973 album Mystery to Me. But both Bobs play on this album, Bob Bob Weston and um, Bob Welsh. Bob Welsh and Bob Welsh is the vocalist on this song, and he kind of became one of the main songwriters for a couple albums. That's right. But again, he kind of I I don't know if it was the travel between the U.S. and the U.K. that would do him in or if it was just a monetary thing. But these guys were a pretty short-lived lineup in Fleetwood Mac, but they also have a great couple albums like Mystery to Me from 1973 is a fantastic album. And this song, Hypnotized, actually is one of the first major songs that shows the band kind of going in a little bit more of a pop rock direction. So here's Hypnotized by... Fleetwood Mac off the 1973 album Mystery to Me, written by Bob Welsh, featuring Bob Weston on lead guitar. Bob Welsh was a um, huge um, player on that particular album. He wrote uh, independently, wrote six of the songs, and he mm-hmm. wrote another big hit on that album called "Emerald," <laughs> excuse me, "Emerald Eyes." Yeah, and uh, you know, couple couple good hits from Bob Welsh, and he would go on and uh, do more um, influential oh. stuff as a as a solo performer. Oh yeah, well. he would have a pretty decent. Probably of the people that aren't Stevie Nicks and kind of part of that lineup of the band, he probably had the best solo career I would outside agree. of outside of the group. But this kind of turn of the decade era for the band was a little bit of an awkward 
time for them. And I think they were kind of finding some new influences. And Christine McVie talks about they actually relocated the band uh, to the USA, I think, kind of just to get access to some of the U.S. recording studios and also just to be kind of a part of that, like, kind of L.A., California scene that was kind of happening in the in the early 70s. And they a lot of a big influence on them kind of coming to L.A. and kind of California was the burgeoning singer songwriter scene, which was kind of spearheaded by James Taylor and some other artists like Linda Ronstead and people like that. Mm -hmm. But James Taylor was definitely a big influence on kind of turning their influence more from that hard, heavy hitting blues rock more to a lyrically based kind of pop rock sound. So here is Fire and Rain from Sweet Baby James, the 1970 album by James Taylor that kind of gives you a feel to that kind of California L.A. sound that Fleetwood Mac would kind of become a pretty heavy part of in the next couple of couple of years so here's fire and rain from 1970 by james taylor won't you look down upon me jesus you gotta help me make a stand you just got to see me through another day my body's aching and my time is at hand I won't make it any other way Whoa, I've seen fire and I've seen rain I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend Yeah, one, one thing that really contributed to this next lineup, Blake, that we're going to talk about which is, um, I think you call it the classic lineup, but mm-hmm. anyway, was a major falling out between Bob Welsh and Mick Fleetwood. They really uh, had a, a major problem, big personal problems between them. And uh, the band actually disbanded for a very short time, and that kind of opened the door for this new Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. lineup. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I know they were kind of, after that kind of blow up, they were very much looking for something to kind of change their sound. And they were kind of touring some studios in LA. Mm-hmm. And one of the kind of inspired by that kind of singer songwriter vibe in LA, there was this kind of duo that had been making some waves. They put out an album that didn't quite do as well as they wanted, but there was this duo called Buckingham Nicks that was Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, of course. And I guess just while touring one of these studios, uh, Mick Fleetwood kind of heard them rehearsing in the other room and got to talking to Lindsay. And Mick was kind of like, hey, well, my band kind of needs a male singer and guitarist because we just lost a couple of our yep. our members. And I think Lindsay was at least somewhat familiar with Fleetwood Mac. And so was, he was at least interested, but kind of was like, well, I can't just say screw you to the person in my duo. So if you take Stevie with you, then I can definitely join your band. Uh, yeah. Kind of lo and behold, they, they the, the Buckingham Knicks family melded very well with the Fleetwood Mac family and, and Christine and Stevie hit it off very, very well. And mm-hmm. they would be, they would be best friends for an, in Stevie's words until Christine would unfortunately pass away earlier this year. But the band kind of really clicked right when they all joined together and pretty quickly made a record um, between 1973 when their last uh, album with Bob Welch came out in 1975. They had re 
kind of come out with a self-titled album, just titled Fleetwood Mac, I think kind of to mark a a new era for the band, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But the album was an immense, immediate smash hit featuring, you know, some of the biggest hits of their career, like both Stevie Nicks uh, penned hits, Landslide. But here is Rhiannon written by Stevie Nicks from the 1975 self-titled Fleetwood Mac album that really goes to show you the sound that they so quickly locked into that would become kind of one of the most influential sounds and eras in any band probably in the music industry. So here's Rhiannon from the self-titled 1995 or 1975 album Well, obviously a, a pretty good decision by Mick Fleetwood to let Lindsey Buckingham bring, bring along mm-hmm. Stevie, but that that song just really features that precise Lindsey Buckingham guitar and and the big thumping bass from John McBee. I mean, just signature Fleetwood Mac. Absolutely, and that and that incredible electric piano from Christine. Absolutely. So that that honestly, that album is really where they locked into that incredible sound that they would kind of go on to hone for the next couple of albums and. On honestly, their next album is probably one of the most famous albums that has ever been recorded, and especially one of the most famous albums of the '70s decade itself. But the album, their next album, "Rumors," would mostly be inspired by the band's insane cu- whirlwind <laughs> couple of years after that Fleetwood Mac album, and the insanity of their tours and the amount of success that they had did kind of take some personal tolls on the band like it's very famous that like the rumors album is essentially the culmination of everyone in a relationship in the band breaking up with someone else in the band like christine mcvee and john mcvee actually got a divorce between the fleetwood mac album and rumors and lindsey buckingham and stevie nicks had a relationship in the buckingham nicks days that ended around the time of this album and stevie nicks and mick fleetwood had like a very quick romantic trist i suppose allegedly that well you no know, they allegedly, did okay, allegedly. but um <laughs> that definitely where there were some uh emotions were flying high so to speak when they were making this album and you can really hear it on songs like the chain talks about keeping the chain together yeah. so to speak most literally and and i'm gonna play the cut here dreams which actually has over a billion plays on spotify i think there's only like 25 or 30 songs that actually have over a billion plays so it's a it is quite the uh thing to have that much sway and it's honestly almost hard to choose what song to play off of this album because of how big almost every song is i mean there's there's three songs on this album that have over half a billion plays and two songs that are within a couple hundred million plays of having a billion so Within a year or two, this album will probably have three or four songs that have over a billion streams on on Spotify and things like that. So that just is a testament to how insane this album is and the 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 amount of influence and birth and and um and um 
just staying power that this album has. I mean, it's it was when it came out, it was on the uh, chart list for, I think, 30 something. Yeah, weeks. 30 plus weeks, 30 plus weeks. It is actually um, still to this day in 2023 at the end of every year. Usually they they do like a little like a, here are the top 10 vinyl records that were sold this year or whatever. Yeah. And I think for the last like. 10 or 15 years rumors has been still in that list of top 10 best-selling vinyl albums. Right. So it definitely goes to show you how big of a impact this album had. And I know I'm talking a lot, so I'll let <laughs> you guys listen to listen to rumors now. So here's Dreams, also written by Stevie Nicks from the 1977 album Rumors. couple more tidbits about rumors um that album has sold uh over four over 40 million vinyl albums and mm -hmm. it sold 10 million in the first month that it came out yeah unbelievable yeah Insane. i mean that's that it was just like right just they couldn't keep them on the shelves basically. exactly it was kind of an insane run for any band and especially a band that has had such a history as Fleetwood Mac to be almost uh, to be over a decade into your career at this point and mm -hmm. having your biggest hits and and honestly one of the biggest things they gained in my opinion in the kind of Lindsey Buckingham acquisition so to speak was I even think this is probably controversial I kind of think the the biggest thing they got out of Lindsey Buckingham's addition to the band was his ear as a producer and mm -hmm. he would go on to he doesn't necessarily he's not necessarily listed as a producer on rumors but they talk about they actually built a recording studio pretty much for the band to make rumors yeah. and Lindsay was very involved in the construction of that studio and after rumors would go and be involved very heavily in the production on pretty much every Fleetwood Mac album that he would be involved with after rumors and his ear for production is very it's a very very professional ear for production very inspired by like the 60s producers like george martin and brian wilson like Definitely. i'm going to play a quick track here off just pet sounds from 1966 the produced essentially by brian wilson by himself for the beach boys off of the pet sounds album but lindsey buckingham was very very influenced by the meticulous production and the sonic landscape that a lot of those iconic 60s producers would would go for their songs and that's something that he was very interested in pursuing in the next Fleetwood Mac album Tusk but here just just a snippet just so you can kind of get some of that production in your ears is Sloop John B from the Pet Sounds album from 1966 produced by Brian Wilson so here is Sloop John B by the Beach Boys from Pet Sounds from 1966 just an immaculate um, exhibit in that incredible 60s production and arrangement. We come on this loop, 
Yeah, I mean, you can hear it. Brian Wilson, uh, the Beach Boys, huge influence on Lizzie Buckingham and, and the overall band, Fleetwood Mac, during this classic period. And as you kind of hinted at there, uh, the Beatles, for sure. Absolutely. Huge, huge influence on the band. Definitely. I mean, like a lot of that later era Beatles stuff, yep. as well as just as influential to Lindsay and his production uh, chops as Brian Wilson. But I don't want to distract from Fleetwood Mac too much. But here is <laughs> here I am going to play a quick snippet of the the title track off the 1979 album Tusk which was this album was entirely produced by Lindsey Buckingham and actually the band the band in and of itself has a full production credit on this on this album but it was really Lindsey being the producer so to speak mm-hmm. and he would actually take a lot of these tapes for this song for these songs home and work on it work on them at his home studio and even record like a lot of non quote unquote rock music instrumentation, like a lot of brass and mm-hmm. a lot of just like a sort of percussion. Like there's even a couple tracks on Tusk where Lindsay is playing like percussion and drums on like trash can lids and mm-hmm. just like random things that he could find that would make these percussive sounds. So the production that Lindsay was getting into on Tusk was very experimental for the band. This is definitely their most experimental album up to their career, so to speak, to this point. But Lindsay was definitely getting very into the what he could do as a producer and what he could do with the band and the recording studio at the time. So here is the title track Tusk off of the album Tusk written by Lindsay Buckingham from Yeah, definitely a new um, new sound for Fleetwood Mac. Although, you know, when I look back at rumors and particularly the songs that uh, Lindsay wrote, like mm-hmm. I'll say Go Your Own Way is oh, an yeah. example. Definitely. I felt like, like when you look back and listen to both albums, you can hear a little bit of Tusk in there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You absolutely can. I mean, I would say you can hear a lot of Lindsay in Tusk. So yes. like, yeah. And like, Lin- like Tusk is definitely the most Lindsay Buckingham of all the Fleetwood Mac albums, I would say. Right. Like, Lindsay was so obsessed with Tusk that, like, a lot of the band almost lo- lost interest in a little bit of it. Yeah. Like, Mitt, Mick Fleetwood talks about Tusk being one of his favorite albums, but Stevie actually talks about how, like, she was 
kind of bored when the band was making Tusk because mm -hmm. she, one, she was already working on her solo career at that point. So she was at the point where maybe some of her best songs weren't getting used in Fleetwood Mac at that point. They were maybe getting used for her solo career or she was more interested in other collaborations. But she talks about coming to the studio to record her vocals and things like that for Tusk. And then she'd get to the studio at like, you know, noon and Lindsay would be fiddling with some tambourine sound and he'd be fiddling with that tambourine sound for until 7 p.m. And then Stevie's like, man, I've been waiting to do vocals all yeah. day. Like what? I, what? I, I was supposed to sing Sarah today, mm -hmm, which was like she hit. was supposed to sing Sarah. And then <laughs> Lindsay was working on a tambourine track all day. So she got a little bit unenthused with Fleetwood Mac for a few years, I think around this time. And was kind of working on her solo tour, which kind of led to the band having a little bit of a disjointed time in the 80s. Like they actually only released two albums in the 80s, one which is Mirage, which mm -hmm. didn't have, it's not a bad album by any means, but it didn't necessarily have any big hits, so to speak. It was kind of the first classic era Fleetwood Mac album to not have any major hits. Like the biggest hit on that album is probably Stevie Nicks's Gypsy Tr track Gypsy, which yeah. almost feels like a Stevie Nicks solo song. Um, like it sounds like something that could have been on Belladonna or something. Oh like yeah, that. totally. There was a song called hold me that mm -hmm. at the time, this is back in 1982. Oh, that yeah. was a hit. Oh yeah. But, um, I don't think anybody's probably heard it on the radio in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of led to the band. I think kind of come, it took, it took a few years for the band to kind of come together after the Mirage years and the, the the tour for the Mirage album was massive because of how big of a band they were at that point. But I think they got kind of sidelined. The band got kind of sidelined for a little bit. And I think even Lindsey Buckingham and Christine McVie put out some solo albums in the 80s as well. So the solo careers of all the kind of big three songwriters and singers, so to speak, kind of sidelined the band for a little bit until 1987 when they came back for Tango in the Night which would go on to kind of have a lot of the la the bigger hits for the latter kind of half of Fleetwood Mac's career, like both Little Lies and Everywhere. The two Christine McVie songs off the album would become two of her biggest hits in the band. And I'm going to play um, Everywhere here just, just for a quick snippet. But this album really showed everyone that Christine McVie was not the songwriter to kind of write out of Fleetwood Mac, so to speak, with both Everywhere, Mystified, and Little Lies becoming some of the better-known hits yep. on the album. So here's Everywhere from Tango in the Night by written by Christine McVie and featuring the whole band uh, as uh, for the first time in almost five or six years in the studio. So here's Everywhere from 1987's Tango in the Night.
Yeah, as you said, Christine McVie really um, impacted that album uh, big time. She sounds Definitely. great. Yeah, this is, she sounds great, and the keyboards are very, very upfront on that Tango in the yeah. Night album. Like, I think a lot of it was the experimentation with the uh, synthesizers and things like that that were becoming more available in the in the eighties at this point. Like, this is a very eighties style album. Oh yeah, but a lot of the songs are still fantastic i mean honestly this is tango in the night is maybe my second favorite fleetwood mac album after rumors maybe i'd have to really think about that but mm. i like tango a lot and um but tango in the night kind of sh is the last full fledged album in kind of the classic era of the band after very actually very shortly after the release of tango in the night Lindsay buckingham would announce that he's was taking a break, uh, leaving the band. And I think he just got tired of the band kind of relying on him for production when they weren't necessarily prioritizing some of his songs and things like that. Like mm -hmm. Stevie and and Christine's songs were getting very much prioritized on Tango in the Night. Like, like Isn't It Midnight and Big Love are probably the two biggest Lindsey Buckingham appearances and and neither of those are among the biggest hits on the album. So I think Lindsey was getting a little bit tired of his songs being shafted that way and mm -hmm. wanted to kind of save his best song, so to speak, for his solo career. So he did actually officially leave the band and they they actually replaced him with two kind of session players on the Tango in the Night tour, one of which is, I think, named um, Bailey Burnett. And then I think another guy named Ricky. Uh, Rick Vito. Rick Vito. Yeah, Rick Vito and Billy Burnett were the two Lindsey Buckingham replacements that came in for the tour of Tango in the Night and then would stick around for the next album, which actually would see Stevie Nicks leave the band as well. So this next album, Christine McVie, is kind of the sole original sort of so to speak classic songwriter and singer on that album i believe it's called behind the mask is the album that doesn't feature either stevie or lindsey buckingham so that album is a little bit of a strange detour in the fleetwood mac career but pretty quickly after that and you can probably speak to a little bit more of this just because i was not born yet but Bill Clinton actually, when he was running for president in the in the in the mid '90s, I think around 1995, he was using "Don't Stop," the kind of of course classic Rumors era yeah. track, as one of his rallying calls and one of his big come out songs. And when he won the election, I believe I don't know if he requested them. Yeah, he did. He I requested. Yeah, uh, yeah. He wanted them to play at the uh, inauguration party, mm -hmm. I think. And uh, it was his first. That was the first time he won. Yep. And uh, and they agreed to do it. Yeah, they agreed to do it, and it was the first time in over at least over five years that Lindsay and Stevie and Christine had all gotten back together as kind of the main foray of the group. And they actually released in kind of, they got back together in, in 95 and started playing some shows in kind of 95, 96, 97, and actually released a, a live album called The Dance. I'm going to play just real quick a snippet of the Don't Stop live at Warner Brothers Studios from 1997 off of The Dance because this song was really revitalized by the energy around the kind of Bill Clinton campaign when he first won 
the presidency. And it definitely, the energy was so infectious that it got the band to reunite. So here's Don't Stop from 1997's The Dance live at Warner Brothers Studios. Yeah, a big hit for Christine McVie and, and Fleetwood Mac off the Rumors album. But Bill Clinton um, clearly um, used that album like mm-hmm. you just heard it constantly. That, that particular song. Definitely. I, I can imagine. I mean, like pretty shortly after the release of the dance album, she would actually uh, retire from touring for mm-hmm. almost 20 years. Right. And in 90, yeah, 1997, she retired from touring and. She retired from being an official member of the band. The, the band would actually release a 2003 album that she is on a few songs of. So it's not like she wasn't around or anything, but she was just not an official member yeah. of the band at this time and wouldn't be until she would come back into the fold in 2014, 2015 for some live shows. Right. But around this time in the 90s was definitely like when you first really started seeing like the influence of Fleetwood Mac really starting to pop up and an artist like Cheryl Crow talks about she was very 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 influenced by Fleetwood Mac in the early days of her career and then artists like Rilo Kelly and yeah. of course Jenny Lewis coming out of Rilo Kelly always talks about being a very very influenced by honestly both the Fleetwood Mac, uh, Stevie Nicks, Christine McVie, Lindsey Buckingham era Fleetwood Mac, but Jenny Lewis also has a very bluesy streak to her music, and she has also talked a lot about being influenced by that early era of Fleetwood Mac as well, like the Peter Green, Bob Welch years. Yeah. So here is Puppy and a Truck, the most recent uh, single released by Jenny Lewis in, in 2021. Just a very fun kind of humorous rock and roll track where you can hear kind of the influence of both eras of Fleetwood Mac almost equally, which is pretty cool to hear in an artist these days. So here's Jenny Lewis from 2021, the single Puppy and a Truck. Shot a good Yeah, good example of an influencee, uh, Jenny Lewis, who we actually did a podcast on in February yeah, of, and of last year. Definitely, and she's she's fantastic. We've seen her live as yep. well. She's a fantastic artist, and like that song specifically, like that 
the backbeat of that song very much sounds like a very like chill, almost um, Bob Welsh era Fleetwood Mac kind of cut. And the, but then you can also hear a lot of modern artists like Lord talk about yeah. a lot of that Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks and Christine McVie influence as well. So here is the cut liability off of Lord's album Melodrama from 2017. And obviously Lord is an artist who's younger than me. So here's a track from an artist who was probably 13, 14 when she was first getting into this band, just like I was. So here's Liability from 2017's Melodrama by Lord. So they pull back, make other plans. I understand I'm a liability. Get you wild, make you leave. I'm a little much for everyone. They're gonna watch me disappear into the sun. Yeah, very cool that uh, an artist of Lord's stature is just a direct influence from Fleetwood Mac. Definitely. And you can even kind of hear it a little bit in the, yep. the subtle pianos and things of that. That that track there, just liability, but Fleetwood Mac, of course, has been an incredibly influential band, just both in their spanning of all the different genres and, and things that they've had throughout their career, just depending on who was in the band at yeah, the time. absolutely. And they've even kind of gone, they, they, they've obviously had a drama-filled career, and that has never slowed down, even to the fact that in 2018, Lindsey Buckingham was fired from the yeah, band yeah. by, by kind of by Stevie Nicks, based on something that he said that she didn't like, and right. then they drafted in Neil Finn from Crowded House and yeah. Mike Campbell from Todd Petty and the Heartbreakers, who's one of my favorite guitarists. Same like here. If you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, replace Lindsey Buckingham with any guitarist, that was probably one of the only guitarists I would have accepted, so to speak. Yep. Um, and they, they, I, we saw that tour without Lindsey Buckingham, and it we was did. a little weird without Lindsey, but it was yeah. still a great show. Yeah. They Vocals. still put on an incredible concert with Christine and Stevie. Yeah. Fronting the band with with Neil, and yeah. but unfortunately, Christine McVie uh, passed away in the beginning of 2023 here. So I felt it was probably. Best to end the, the podcast here with, with another of my favorite Christine McVie songs. The song is Little Lies off of, again, that Tango in the Night 1987 album. But thank you guys so much. It was very fun to look into Fleetwood Mac, one of the most iconic bands probably ever. Uh, but yeah, I've been Blake Sokoloff. I'm Robert Dean. And you can follow us at influence.podcast on Instagram if you want to get uh, the most up-to-date info on the podcast and everything, but thank you guys so much. This has been Fleetwood Mac, and this has been Influence, so here's Little Lies.